Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Bichelle Sorrow. I'm a TV host on Extra, lifestyle strategist, and author on gratitude. And I'm going to dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart-centered podcast. This show is a compilation of real talks designed to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, success. Tune in for inspirational guests who reveal the mindset required to bust through the BS that holds you back and then how to apply those tools to elevate your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey guys, this is a really exciting conversation for me to share. My friend and amazing consultant, business strategist, uh, overall community builder, healer, protector. Oh my gosh, there's so many ways to describe my friend Brad. Um, We have this wonderful conversation and you're definitely going to get that. But the first part of this episode is actually a second piece to our first conversation. Let me explain. So we had done a full hour and it was like this really great conversation. And then, you know, I stopped recording. We buttoned that up for the episode, but he and I continue to stay on the phone. And it's in that conversation where I realized that we were still just completely lit up and and dropping nuggets and feeding off of each other even more so. And so I just, I hit record and I uh, added another five minutes. So would, that would normally be at the tail end of this whole episode. But I thought, you know what, why don't I put that at the beginning so you can really get a sense of Brad and just an exuberance uh, that happens, I think, between two people when they are really feeding off of one another and they're positive energy in the air, but it's got substance and weight because we're backing up our words with our actions. And that's what Brad is all about. So with that uh, said, just keep in mind the first few minutes is the tail end of our original first conversation. And then the second part, uh, which will seem seamless for you, but then I'll go into a proper introduction, taking a little bit out of context. That's okay. Anyway, um, definitely do hope you enjoy. And here's Mr. Brad Johnson. Okay, wait, guys, Brad and I just kept talking, just so you know, it's been like 10 more minutes. And we just, you know, we're just loving this shit. But um, we talked about how, gosh, you know, we're about the same age. And it's at this point in life that so many people can start to feel like this is it. They've peaked. This is this is all there is when it's in fact, such the antithesis of that. So then you shared something where I was like, wait, we got to put that on. That's right. Yeah. And so, I mean, we are, you said it earlier in the, uh, in the podcast that, um, that we're middle-aged and, and maybe by the life expectancy of human beings, yes, we are at that halfway point. However, all of the marketing and the trillions of dollars pushed to, sh- to tell us that youth is where it's at makes us feel inadequate. So we think that our life up until this point has been one that, well, the youth is behind us. But that's not true. We just have tended to live a life by the path of least resistance. So most people arrive at this place in their 40s or 50s or 60s, and they think, well, the best is behind us because we've gone by that path of least resistance. And the reality is that's because life was easy. And if we do the easy things, then life becomes difficult because we haven't developed the muscles to work through and persevere through the challenges. But But when we do the hard things, when we have the discipline to do the things that we might not want to do or to sit down and really visualize our best future self or possible scenario, then life becomes easy. 
It's so true. And it's first visualizing it so you can get clear on what that is. But what I what I appreciate about what you're saying is that the access to that visualization is oftentimes doing things like meditating, getting your mind clear, priming your mind and heart so you can be in alignment with being able to even hear or see what that might be. And that's so it's just so awesome, guys, because as Brad and I continued talking after I, I stopped recording, some of these nuggets continued. And I'm like, wait, we have to hop the hop back on because at the end of the day, this podcast is, is designed for one mission, and it is to empower my listeners with tangible takeaways because we can look at your life, for example, Brad, you know, handsome, successful, living this dream life, already in your mid-40s, you have great love and passion and purpose. And it just seems so easy, like, ah, yeah, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. That's the whole point. Yes, anyone can. Just these simple little tools that allow us to access our true power and potential. What a great way to put it. Yeah. Thank you. And it gets so much better from here because we have another 40 or 50 years to design our epic life. And just to, just to actualize it and then just to continue to magnetize more like-minded people to each other. And then our community just grows. And I was telling my mom last week on my birthday, which you sent me the most beautiful birthday message. Thank you for that. And I was, my mom's like, so how is this year different than last year? I'm like, this day feels no different than every day has felt since I was at date with destiny in December. Like every day feels like my birthday. Every day I feel like the most fortunate, lucky human being to get to live this life where it's, you know, it's about connecting and love and contribution. And I'm not just saying that, like my life has changed. Otherwise I wouldn't be in this conversation with you. But to your point earlier, it felt hard to step into that. It felt like imposter syndrome. I felt fraudulent. I felt like, who am I to be doing that? Because my ego wanted to hold me back. But once I decided to break through that like you said, 4% of comfort zone, then it just seemed more natural. And then that became my new normal. And then I started to step out a little bit more and then that became my new normal. So my life is just being taken up all these different levels where I'm like, holy shit, every day is a birthday. Right. Isn't that amazing how that works? I mean, look, you're on TV, you're on extra. How did you feel? How are you today with going on camera relative to your first day on stage and in front of that camera? Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't remember even what I said because I wasn't in my body. I was totally manic. I didn't, I don't remember if I breathed for four hours. Um, and I, I swore I was being myself, but of course I wasn't because I was so consumed with what others thought. And now it's so imperative, in fact, critical for my overall fulfillment and well-being for me to be myself. But I didn't even know what that meant. Like I said, I thought I was being myself, but I had to unpack all the bullshit to get here. You experienced one of the four stages of competence. So when you stepped in front of that camera, you were consciously incompetent because you were coming from a place of uncertainty and fear in that manic state. And you knew that you were doing something you loved. But when we're consciously incompetent, we realize where we're not good and what we're not good at. And we're aware of our shortcomings. Today, seeing you on TV, seeing you uh, thrive in your lives on these podcasts. Now you are in this state of flow where you're unconsciously competent. You're doing it because it's natural. And it just uh, occurs to you that this is the way and it requires practice. It's like Michael Jordan and Steph Curry and LeBron James do not think about taking a shot. They just get in the flow and a ball rolls off their fingertips into the basket and they are in that zone. And for us mere mortals who aren't blessed with those gifts, we can cultivate that through our behaviors and our daily disciplines and having those actions. And it's amazing what can occur when we just let go, 
step through the fear and know that what waits on the other side of us is beauty and the courage to face that so that we can, we can live our best lives. So awesome. Thank you. Boom. Mic drop right there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my friend. All right. Now I'm going to officially stop recording (laughs) y'all. Otherwise we could go on and on. It's clear that we have to have Brad back on and like in six months and we'll just, you know, pick up where we left off. All right. For reals. For real though. Thank you. Hey Brad, it's so good to have you here. Hi. So uh, my dear friends, I want to introduce you to a newer friend in my life, an absolute rock star and inspiration from the moment that I saw a video that he posted in one of our um, likeness-minded group pages on Facebook. Brad Johnson, a sales and business strategist helping wellness companies develop enthusiastic clients for life. He's known as a connector and community builder. He's invested the last 15 years of his professional life identifying the things people get passionate about, then creating an environment where they thrive. His passion for cars led him to help develop the country's first private vintage and exotic car show club where he first move or when he first moved to San Francisco, then later reimagining the classic men's retail store by launching a social club that rewarded customers with the best of the best in wingtip. Today at 44 years old, his mission is building communities of those who choose to live healthy, wealthy, generous lives without making sacrifices, but rather investing in their whole life wellness with epic events around the Bay Area. Welcome, Brad. It's so good to have you. Awesome. That's a great intro. Thank you, Michelle. Hey, so I asked my friend uh, a couple of weeks ago what she thought when I was reading off this introduction. What's it like to hear yourself described that way? Mm, It's pretty empowering. And it, it reminds me of why I do what I do. Yes, it's pretty awesome. And that, in a nutshell, is really why I think I was drawn to you when you first posted a live a few months back. And then I know that hundreds, if not thousands of others, were feeling the same. So it's very cool to have you here. I want to get started with kind of, you know, a brief snapshot on your life so far, where you are and where you're headed. I want to go back to Kentucky days. Right on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. We're going way back. Well, mom and dad, and I mean, they're a big piece of your life and you post about them regularly and there's a lot of legacy there. Totally. Yeah. So um, I am the youngest of four. Uh, I was a surprise. Mom and dad were 36 when I was born. And um, coming in kind of at the tail end of the youngest of four, my oldest brother being 16 years older than me and my other brother being 14, I was kind of left to my own devices growing up. You know, my sister, who is the matriarch of our family, and she's really the glue that holds us together and, and, and propels us forward. Uh, she was my best friend, my mom, my big sister, and really uh, my, my most significant influence in my life and has allowed me to become who I am today because she's been so supportive. So uh, my parents divorced when I was six. Uh, my father actually got custody of my sister and me, uh, which was really unheard of in 1980. And, uh, ironically, my parents actually split this little piece of property that we had out in rural Kentucky. So they lived next door to each other. So when I would get upset with my dad, I would just walk down the street to my mom. (laughs) And, uh, I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a mobile home in rural Kentucky sandwiched between the railroad tracks and the Ohio river with only a couple of neighbors. And so I had a lot of time to myself, especially in the summers, it was difficult to get anywhere. And so it was really, um, it was kind of challenging because I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. And I had different groups of friends growing up, you know, and it was all mostly through school. 
because when you start at a rural public school from kindergarten all the way to graduation, you're with 90 to 95% of the people that you start out with. So, you know, mostly we're remembered for the things that we screw up on when we're kids. And I was a major screw up. Uh, I had, I got into so much trouble when I was young. Um, I was a little brat running away, causing problems, uh, not really knowing how to fit in anywhere. And it was only recently that I realized because I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. I, I've lived my life in a way that I choose to belong everywhere, which is why I have so much empathy and compassion for people with different backgrounds, different ideas and different perspectives is because I wasn't really accepted or I never felt accepted growing up. Um, so that is what, you know, that was my early, my youth, you know, growing up in, in Kentucky until I was, let's see, when I was 10 years old, my brother ended up going to, uh, to prison for, uh, growing cannabis, which was really not, it's, you know, the environment was way different back then. And so it created a bit of a, uh, some compromise in our family and, uh, God love him. My, my brother, who's again, he's my big brother. And today he's still living with that scarlet letter on his chest. And I absolutely love him, but that that environment that created a lot of uh, turmoil in his life. And so, you know, while he was enduring his punishment, you know, I actually chose to join the military at 17. So three weeks after I graduated high school, I went right into the army. And uh, that was the first taste of having discipline and understanding that there is a way to do things. And if I adhere to that discipline, it would allow me to create specific outcomes. Now, who inspired you or what inspired you to join the army? I needed money for college. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was really a matter of having getting the resources to pay for school. Wow. Super resourceful you. Um, isn't it interesting about your brother still carrying, as you say, the scarlet letter of having been in prison for selling cannabis that's legal in so many states these days. So really he still that still haunts him, even though now it's 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 usually prescribed by many physicians and, and it's legal so many places. And that could be a badge of honor versus a scarlet letter. Well, I think it, it shows a couple of different mindsets. One, yeah, the laws do change. I mean, the same way that prohibition penalized people for drinking alcohol back in the twenties. And also, I mean, I think it's an indication of how so many of us tend to be haunted by our past. So you are in the military. How did that experience help to shape the man that you are today? Well, it, um, it, for the first time I had strong leadership in the form of, uh, ranking non-commissioned officers and officers who were both driven to ensure that we weren't going to kill ourselves because you're responsible for the person to your left and to the, and for the person to your right and giving us the discipline, uh, to, you know, to perform. And then on top of that showing, it showed me that, uh, Eve, it was all a process. There's like the matrix to it. Right. By the way, thank you for your service. My pleasure. Yeah, it was. I mean, what an incredible journey. And plus it seems to make sense, right? Coming from, uh, a childhood where you said you were basically kind of on your own and fending for yourself in, in, in moments and feeling like a social outcast, although not net yet knowing that you actually belonged everywhere. You didn't own that part of yourself yet. So then to just put yourself into a place of duty and responsibility and to be of service for others, that's profound. I mean, while you said it was to get the resources to go to college, there are other ways to try to make that happen, but you chose wanting to serve. 
Yeah. And it was all, I mean, I'd like to think that it was by making a very conscious choice, but it's almost like a default choice. I kind of slid into it. I was approached by, uh, by the military because we, everyone in Kentucky, I don't know if it's still the case today, but you have to take what's called an ASVAB, which is a, an aptitude test. And I scored like in the 99th percentile and they said, you can do anything you want to in the military. I said, awesome. I want to be a helicopter pilot. And they said, well, you know, those glasses on the end of your nose say otherwise. And this is before LASIK surgery or PRK or anything that you could do to correct vision. So I said, okay, well, what's the next baddest ass thing that I can do? And they said, well, how about going and being on a tank? And they showed me a video and I thought that looks cool. Like what kid doesn't want to blow up stuff, right? Um, So yeah, going into it, it was a very sharp contrast because my father, God love him. I mean, he really provided for our family and made a lot of sacrifices, you know, gave my mom every asset, which wasn't a lot, but chose to purchase a mobile home so he could provide for my sister and me. And he was the kind of guy who would come home from work at 4.30, put his feet up, drink a beer after mowing the lawn. And our place was a bit of a wreck. And it's like my room was a wreck growing up. Like I never had the discipline of making my bed, of of keeping things neat and organized, excuse me, of, um, of having the discipline of doing the daily rituals and habits that allowed me to actually build on that foundation. So that's where I was a little bit aimless. And the military gave me that. So it was understanding like, okay, well, if I do these things, it's building these small habits, these daily rituals that allow me to build on this so that I can fall back on the fundamentals and the basics. So how long were you in the military? So I was actually, uh, I was in for training and then uh, it was a total of a six year commitment, but it was National Guard. So after I did my training, I went into the National Guard and it was like one weekend a month for training and then two weeks in the summer you know, going down and doing field operations with, you know, other units. And so I had my life, but then I would go in on the weekends and, and train with our unit. And at that point, are you still based out of Kentucky? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when did you make the move from Kentucky to what was next, Utah? No, actually I went to, uh, so I went to school at Northern Kentucky University and wanted to be a chiropractor, which is a whole other conversation. But basically I had grown up you know, one of the one of the most beautiful things my dad did for our family was he introduced holistic care. So I always had gone to a chiropractor for keeping my body in shape. And even whenever I broke my foot playing soccer in high school, I didn't go to the emergency room and went to the chiropractor, which was really weird to me. But chiropractors are bone doctors. I mean, they're much more than that. But she reset my foot, did some um, uh, some infrared and interferential, and got me set up and going. So. Um, Fast forward to me going to school, I wanted to be pre-med and be a chiropractor. A couple of things occurred in my lab class that didn't allow that to happen. I won't, I won't share. It's, it's a little gross, uh, but it turned me off to the idea. So I shifted to communications and business and uh, ended up living in Cincinnati, Ohio for, uh, what was that about? Lived there for roughly seven, eight years before moving to California. So going into the military really did pave the way for you to be able to attend uh, Northern Kentucky University. It did. Yeah, it did. And, and that it, and it made life a little bit easier. I found whenever I got, when I left the military, I was really frustrated with how things were operating in the civilian world because everything in the army is on clockwork or they say, as they say, it's, you know, hurry up and wait. So you're supposed to be on time. You're supposed to be scheduled. You do what you say you're going to do. And when I got back out into society, people weren't necessarily doing the things at that level and that had that pace and that discipline. And so I was really frustrated because I enjoyed that level of discipline in the military. 
and to be your word, you know, a man or a woman of honor. And, and I mean that you're, you're right. I thought hurry up and wait was only Hollywood. I didn't realize that that was also in the military, but I get it. And that could be such a letdown when that's become your DNA, your blueprint. Um, and then to come back into the real world. So now you're, you're studying business and corporate communication at Northern Kentucky university, but you left there to pursue what? I did. I left, I went and I got a sales position. So what had happened was, so how do you go from pre-med or you want to be a chiropractor to wait, pivot to sales? Um, it was really a matter. It was a, uh, it was a choice that I really didn't have because I was under the GI bill at the time and funding went away under that administration, under the state administration. So I was responsible for that debt and I had to go get a job to start paying for my school debt. So I dropped out of school and, uh, started searching in the papers for, for work. And I discovered a company out of Utah who was looking for regional sales reps. I met with the vice president. It was really, it's fascinating. It was a Japanese Mormon company. So I was 20, 22, 23 years old. And I landed this entry-level sales job after interviewing with the vice president who took me under his wing and uh, really showed me what it was like to work in a, in a corporate environment. And I just had this hustle. I had this desire to, to make it up through the ranks. And so within a few years, I had been promoted to director of national accounts responsible for all of our large corporate accounts from in, throughout Canada and the U.S. So cut my teeth in that environment. Amazing. Now, how long were you in that job? Oh, gosh. That was eight years, I believe. Yeah, it's about eight years. Okay. Wow. And from there, you honed your skills. You realize, wow, I'm a pretty good salesperson. Um, and then where do you go next? So that was uh, that's when I really discovered the value of selling based on merit and, and value, not just selling based on price, because we were the highest price product in the industry. And it was kind of viewed as a bit of a commodity. So I had to understand how to associate the value of what we were doing with the needs of our clients where price would become a non-issue because we were filling a need. So and, and what exactly were you guys selling? So it was an environmental products company. So we were uh, selling mostly janitorial supplies like uh, cleaners and air fresheners and other products. So again, a bit of a commodity, but we were working in the textile rental and linen industry. And so our products were helping them generate revenue. So I had to understand their business and to show them how this would help them increase their sales by having a minimal impact on their production. So I had to really get in and understand my customer's business. So I did that for, so for the eight years, uh, my, all my buddies nicknamed me roadshow because I was my record year was on the road 48 weeks out of 52. Wow. Yeah. That's got to be tough on a social life. A little bit. I partied all weekend. I would land on a Friday night, uh, go right to the bars, somehow figure out when to do my laundry between Friday night, Saturday, and then get on a plane Sunday and fly out again. Uh, and that was also when I had a this moment of discovery. And I think this is when I realized that making all the money, you know, having um, having this travel lifestyle and you know, living on a per diem wasn't all it was cracked up to be because it was pretty unfulfilling. I would come home on a Friday night, party all weekend, and uh, I was introduced by a friend to an organization called the City Gospel Mission in Cincinnati, Ohio, where we volunteered on a Friday night to serve food to people who were homeless. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I said, well, rather than going out, I'm going to spend my Friday night serving people. And what I loved about this organization was that they required people to go into uh, the, 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 those who were suffering, go for an hour of service, 
to ensure that they weren't on drugs or that they, you know, they were, they weren't drunk or, you know, inca- incapacitated any, in any degree. And then they would come in and we would serve them. And I got to meet people who were at different levels of their life. Some were on the streets because of tragedy. One gentleman was on the street by choice because he came from Liberia and worked two jobs, paid $5 a day to live in the dormitory of this mission to send all of his money back home to care for his family. And, you know, and we hear these stories often about people doing this, but this is the first time I'd met someone who chose to do that. And then all of a sudden looking at the brownstone that I lived in and having the sports car and my lifestyle, I'm going, wait a second. Like I feel like an ass now. I felt like I wasn't really doing what I was here to do. And that began some introspection at 26, 27 and really in realizing what was valuable to me. So you were halfway through your role at this Japanese Mormon company selling environmental services. Um, when, and you're still pretty young when you realize that you might be very successful financially um, and in a corporate environment, but you had a total lack of fulfillment. So this experience was like an intervention. So then how so that sounds like it was a defining time in your life. It really was. And two things occurred back to back. It was that realization because I began sacrifice. I won't call it a sacrifice. I began replacing my Friday nights of party with my friends with volunteering Friday night at the mission. So I would come home and I would go right there because that to me felt like I was doing something of value. And it was uh, shortly after that when 9-11 occurred, I was traveling again. I was actually flying. Uh, We landed in St. Louis when 9-11 happened. I beelined. I knew what was, you know, with... Within five minutes of seeing what had occurred with the Twin Towers, I knew that there was going to be that the airlines were going to be grounded and that there was going to be a rush on the rental cars. So I beelined to the rental car counter, got a car, drove home, and just listened to everything that was happening. And then shortly after that, um, some really dear friends of mine, these guys are like my brothers, we would play poker every once in a while and get together. And we're up living in Mount Adams, which is you know, a, a small neighborhood in Cincinnati. It's a lot like San Francisco. And one of my friends said, look guys, you know, a lot of our older colleagues and friends are making the active choice to downshift their lifestyle because they realize like why work 60 hours a week for something that's unfulfilling. And we were in our twenties and we said, is it going to require a tragedy for us to, to define what we want to do in life? So he had the idea, he says, what if we wrote a business plan for our life? What if you had all of the financial resources, the, uh, cultural resources, the relationships, the lifestyle. What if you had all of the resources available to you? What would you do and where would you do it? And he challenged us to write a business plan. So we thought it was just you know a little drunk table talk. And not too long afterwards, he came in and he shared his business plan. We're like, holy shit, like you were serious. So we did that. And through a series of events, you know, we kind of planted that seed, didn't really think it was going to go anywhere. And then through a series of moves and opportunities, San Francisco ended up being on our radar and um, we bought a bar. Uh, He moved out. He and his brother bought a bar. Then I moved out. My other friend moved out. We all had a house in in, uh, Cal Hollow. So we lived in a three and a half bedroom house. (laughs) The half bedroom was a room under the stairs. The last person who moved in got that. And, And then we started our ventures. And that led to us doing or creating each of the businesses that we had dreamed of. And, uh, and jumping in to, to do what we dreamed of doing just a few years prior. And we had some successes and had some failures, but overall it was rewarding because we got a chance to do it. Are they all still in California? They are. Yeah. Are you guys still close? Very close. Oh, I love that. 
You know, what you just described in this whole business slash life plan that you guys um, developed way back then. So what, you were like late 20s? Late 20s, yeah. I moved to San Francisco. uh, I was 29 going on 30, so 2004. And now you're 44, and you posted something recently on Facebook that I love, and uh, I hope you don't mind, but I want to read it because it's completely consistent with what you just said was a defining moment. So on June 12th on Facebook, you, you posted, so check it. I think you meant to check it out, or maybe I didn't paste that all the way through. So check it out. What if you wake up one day when you're 70 and you never wrote your memoir or you didn't go swimming in warm pools and oceans nor stand under waterfalls for all those years because you were just so strung out on perfectionism and people pleasing? You were so tied up in looking good and being insta famous that you forgot to have a big, juicy, creative life of imagination and contribution and radical silliness and staring off into space, lost amongst the wonder of the stars like when you were a kid. It's going to break your heart. Don't let this happen. When I read that, it almost dropped me to my knees. You know, we can see shit like that all the time. This is why I love you so much and I did it. Hello. But we can see stuff like that and we think it's for others to live those lives. But the reason why I wanted to have you on is everything that you've been describing so far. When you come across someone who actually seems like they're happy and fulfilled and life is of of purpose and passion, you want to find out what they're drinking. You want to find out what's going on and where they started making these mindset shifts to be able to access all that power that is within each and every one of us, I believe, for us to be able to snap into the second that we decide and commit. So this defining moment as a young man that you said yes to, now look at what that's helped you to co-create because we haven't even gotten to where you are now which is this big, beautiful life exactly mirroring what you wrote in that Facebook post. And it sounds so beautiful whenever you say it. I'm going to have you do all, I'm going to have you read everything that I post now to share with the world. (laughs) Oh, it was good. I, yeah, I'm just reading what you wrote. Well, and you know, I I think it's beautiful the way you put that. I I will say that I, I wish it was as easy as saying that that was my plan. I think it was more of a default and what influenced me. And a lot of it was, uh, was born out of suffering and born out of not knowing and uh, and not having a clear, concise idea. It's more of like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's do that. But not sitting down to really blueprint it. But see, what I love about that is that our contrast, our suffering, our pain, our old limiting beliefs and stories, our scarlet letters, that actually could be our greatest gift and it could be, you know, our other story of how it helps us to serve others, step out of ourselves and into a place of contribution, which is exactly what you let it do. So while it seems like it could be default, you actually consciously chose looking back and saying, nope, I'm going to pivot here and then I'm going to pivot here. So you were magnetizing to you opportunities, new ideas, new direction. You know what I mean? Yes. And that actually leads to uh, one of my rituals you asked me about. Uh, and in visualization. So one of my daily routines and my rituals is uh, getting primed. So getting the body moving so that I get into a state of flow and I feel active and I feel empowered and I'm not sitting around in my head going, oh my gosh, what do I, you know, worrying about things. And so I visualize three goals as it relates to what I'm going to accomplish that day. So I can stay, pay attention to what enters my world, enters my view, whether it be out when I'm out and about or something I, I'm just exposed to that I choose to create that day. 
And then a near-term goal, something that's within reach, maybe it's that week or that month, something that I choose to create, and then a longer-term goal. That's my daily magic. That's where I think about, I'm visualizing now, and what I'm working on is within a few years of my home that Ahalia and Ahai will have in Marin. Um, and I've already visualized the home. I know exactly what it's going to look like. And I know the cars are in the driveway, what my day looks like. I visualize my perfect day. And so everything that I'm doing today is so I can get there because I've done it before. And when it didn't work out, it was devastating. Meaning when I visualized the car club, like I wanted to create this car club. And it just so happened when I moved to San Francisco, one had just opened. And so I joined them with enthusiasm because I love vintage and exotic cars. It's something my dad got me hooked on when I was young. And so the power of that visualization when I was young was realizing that I could create this. And when I finally had it in front of me, I was so excited of being in that moment. I stopped visualizing that ongoing reasons for doing what I do for my intention of being in that business. I was just so excited. It's like a kid on Christmas morning that here it was in front of me and I lost track a little bit. And so when it failed, call it due to the economy, poor management, I wasn't confronting some of the things that need to be confronted with the people I was working with. Whenever I saw some behaviors that I didn't necessarily believe were helping us or serving us. And when that went south, I got super depressed because I required the certainty of the job that I had for eight years with Fmatic, And having that security, having that big paycheck meant everything to me. And so I attached so much to having that certainty. When uncertainty introduced itself to my life, I felt a bit like a rudderless ship and I lacked direction until I got back into that practice of visualizing, okay, what is it that I really want? What's fulfilling to me? And then what do I get to create next? And that's whenever Wingtip presented itself. So then I had an opportunity to build another community of, of people who believe what we believe, that you could enjoy the finer things in life without being defined by them. Because like Tyler Durden says in Fight Club, uh, he says, you are not the, uh, you're not your Ikea curtains. You're not the Ferrari in your driveway. You're not the money in your bank account. You are more than that. You are the all living, all breathing, et cetera, et cetera, expletives of the world. And I thought, okay, well then if I want to create that, then I have to think about what is it that I get to do and who do I get to serve in order for this to be part of my reality? Because that's, what's fulfilling to me. And so wingtip, let me just break this down and unpack it a little bit. So the vintage car, group, the wingtip group, which by the way, was seven years. I mean, 2010 and 2017, these are communities that you help to develop, cultivate and bring epic events to, but is it in addition to your quote job? No, that was what I was doing full time. Yes. Oh, that's the part that I wasn't clear on. Okay. So basically you created your dream life, community, like-minded interests, wanting to really serve people and contribute and, and creating this, yeah, this epic group. Awesome. Well, it was all born out of the fact that I'd never felt like I fit in anywhere. So if I could identify a passion, something that I was passionate about and could align other people with it, then we would create our own community. And so I was passionate about vintage and exotic cars. And I still am to this day, but I've moved on from that. I'm more passionate about getting on my bicycle and cranking out the miles. Um, With Wingtip, my friend Ami created this company and had the idea of taking what we had done at Club Sportiva and developing a passionate following around the retail store. So it was less about the accumulation of stuff and just buying things, but why not create an environment that embodied what it meant to be someone who lived this lifestyle? So it was all about the whiskey and the great food and the experiences and the travel. And then 
Um, it, but then that wasn't necessarily a lifestyle that was really endearing to me because I still, I, I still have this one foot in health and wellness and being uh, a massive proponent of chiropractic care and eating well. But then I'm putting a lot of wine and whiskey and cigars in my body. Uh, and it started to age me. I didn't feel good. So I made another, like I, I pivoted due to the guidance and encouragement of my chiropractor and coach and best friend, Jack Ricci. He's like, here, dude, he's like, we need to get you into a place where you can detoxify your body so you can really show up the way you want to. And when I did my first 30 day detox, I woke up one morning after a fast and I was buzzing with energy. And I said, oh my gosh, if it feels this good to follow this lifestyle, then I'm in, like I'm all in for living this way because it doesn't get easier when we get older. And yes, I just turned 44, but I have more energy and vitality than a man half my age because of my daily habits and my routines. And I, I wouldn't think that. I wasn't expecting it at this age. And I, I have a goal of being a fitness model by 45 so that I'm doing things every day so I can look good. And like, I'm not going to let age because age is a matter of physiology, not chronology. I don't buy into the philosophy like, oh, I'm 44. And there's a way that a 44 or 45 year old has to look like, screw that. I'm going to own this. Yes. And by the way, uh, for those of you who can't see him, you're looking good, Brad. <laughs> you're, you're on your track. Thank you. Um, okay. So, so wingtip, uh, you leave or I don't know what happens there at, at, in March or April of 2017. So bring us to current time. So, well, you and I actually shared, uh, we shared a moment, although we didn't know each other yet. So UPW 2016. UPW uh, unleashed the power within a Tony Robbins live three and a half day event. Correct. I was invited by, um, by a woman who was in my life and she, like, we were no longer in a relationship, but it just so happened. We had this moment, this intersection. She invited me to Tony Robbins unleash the power within because she knows how much I loved self-development and Tony. And it was in that moment when we went through uh, the Dickens process and visualizing what our life was going to be like, if we live with purpose, I had some realizations and that was November of 2016. Um, do you remember the story about Ernie? Oh, yeah. Can I show you something real quick? Sure. Okay, this might not help the podcast, but this will make sense. Okay. I'll break down um, the Dickens process. So what it is is uh, Tony Robbins takes 10,000 people through um, a metaphorical ghost, ghost of your Christmas past, present, and future. Hold on. Hold on, Brad. I'm describing really quickly the Dickens process for those who are not familiar. And so the ghost of the Christmas past, just as a metaphor, which is where he got inspired over 40 years to come up with this process in his live event, is any of your suffering, your story, your limiting beliefs, your habits, your rituals, the stuff that holds you back from where you really want to go. And then fast forward to the future, imagining you haven't stopped that, corrected that, um, let go of that, or embraced whatever you want. And it's five years later, 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later. So for me, when I went through the Dickens process and I imagined myself continuing to smoke cigarettes in total hiding and darkness and shame, the thought of even doing it for five more, more years, much less 15, 20, brought me to my knees. I mean, I was so horrified because we get caught up in the moment. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll quit next week. Oh, I'll quit at the end of the year. Oh, I'll quit on my birthday for sure. And then when you really embody what it's like to be five years, 20 years down the road and you haven't, or you're still enslaved by an old lifestyle or mindset or relationship or, you know, something that's no longer serving you, it's quite vivid how painful it is. So that's the Dickens process. So I get it that you could have a profound breakthrough from that, that process. Yeah, that was, 
that was powerful. And anyone who's experienced it, you know, like you, 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 we realize the necessity to commit to a better life ahead of us, because if we don't plot our course, you know, we're not going to end up at our destination. Like Tony Robbins says, you know, it's always about someday, someday I'll do this. Someday I'll stop smoking. Someday I'll lose weight. Well, the, the road called someday leads to a town called nowhere. And when I finished my four days at UPW, I came back to my office and there was a, a copy of Silicon Valley magazine sitting on my desk because my, my dear friend, Jennifer Wren, who represents Glenn Fittick, had invited me to be part of this photo shoot uh, for uh, representing the, the modern gentleman, you know, embracing the past while stepping into the future. And so if you remember the story about Ernie and how Tony talks about the value of immersion and putting yourself into an environment where if you're going to accomplish something, turn decades of learning into days of accomplishment. And, and by the way, for listeners, Ernie is a horse, a polo horse that Tony was learning how to play polo on. And because Tony travels the world basically like 350 days a week, I mean a year, he only had a couple days at a time. So he'd go full immersion and his instructor put him on Ernie. <laughs> and there's a very funny story, but yes, full immersion. I would fully expect anyone who goes to UPW to hear the story. I mean, it is riotous because the way Tony tells it. It is. It's one of the best stories ever. Yes. And so I was so blown away to really see this embodiment of who I am. Like, oh, that's a very cool. Like, I'm in Silicon Valley Magazine. And then I turn the page and what do I see? Oh, gosh. High society lifestyle spread on playing polo. a polo. Yeah, a man playing polo on a big, beautiful horse. So that tied it together. So, you know, Tony talks about the reticular activating system in our brain that whenever we set and visualize something, anticipating a future outcome, that we will begin to notice the things that it will tie into allowing that to happen. It's like whenever you buy a car, yes. all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere. When you buy a blouse or you buy a suit or a tie, you start seeing it everywhere because we're paying attention to that. All of a sudden it becomes something in our world and we recognize it. So when I saw this, I saw my photo in this magazine and I turned the page and there's a polo player and Tony just told the story about learning to play polo. And I forgot the title that he earned, but it's like a, a, something like a nine holer or nine goaler, some massive title. And that's when I made the decision to uh, take massive action and change my life. And so that uh, was uh, December of 2016. Uh, I want to just close the gap of you come home, you see yourself in this big, beautiful, glossy spread of Silicon Valley magazine. It seems to many that would be the epitome of really um, proving your success. How did that? And then do you see in the image of the polo player and the horse how does that not match up with what you now know based on the Dickens process? Well, I was using softeners for where I was in business and with my goals. What do you mean by softeners? Well, I was justifying where I was because I was complacent. Um, I had a vision for, uh, by year 13 at Wingtip, I desired to be the international membership director for multiple club locations between the U.S. and Europe. And it was year seven and we had a setback in business because we chose to go into Los Angeles way too early. We didn't have the resources. There were a lot of reasons we, we shouldn't have done it, but we were being led. And when that fell apart, it set our business back and some commitments weren't followed through on. We began chasing money as opposed to our principles and doing and remembering why we were doing what we did, create a lot of conflict. And I was feeling uncertain about that. And I realized that I had gone as far as I needed to go 
and an organization that I helped create, taking it from right around a million dollars in revenue to over uh, almost 11 million in five years and building it around the principles and desires of people who wanted to be in an environment to thrive. But yet we pivoted and it wasn't in a direction that was serving my 13 year vision. So that's when I chose to leave and rewrite my script and do something that was more in line with, with uh, what I'm really passionate about. And so let's let's then go there. So now you call yourself a connector, a community builder. Um, what does that mean in terms of a practical day to day? Great question. So um, I went um, I went home again. Just uh, actually, it was earlier this year when I came back. The startup that I was working with. So I took a transition transitionary transitory. Yeah, I, I took a role with a, a startup out of uh, out of Hillsburg in the world of wine and technology. That was really cool. Um, unfortunately, it get well, it didn't get funding, so it shut down three days after our most recent Unleash the Power Within event in March of this year. And it was uh, rather than feeling uh, disoriented because of that, I realized like, okay, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to do what I've always wanted to do, rather than following someone else's dream. I am going to apply everything I've learned in helping companies that are in the world of health and wellness and um, those who are experts in the world of optimizing human behavior and health by leveraging my talents and skills in business development and connecting with an audience so that they can do more of what they're great at and allow me to help them build their business. Okay, got it. So basically, another way that we could describe what you're up to now is, is, a, is a consultant. I'm a consultant, correct. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and let's be clear. I mean, I can see your place in San Francisco. I mean, you're not suffering. <laughs> you're not, you know, you're living the good life. And, and that's the other thing too, is that I really wanted to get up underneath, you know, making these transitions, following our true calling, allowing ourselves to be lured by a message, you know, something that feels like it might be in more alignment with our real deepest desires and potential. And we don't always have to suffer financially because I think people get really scared. They're trapped in where it is and what they've got to provide for um, and the pressure of that. But I, I just know that if we're being called and we've got the vision, then there will be the resources that that really show up to provide for that to be so. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And it's true. It's true because whenever we live from our place of our principles, our values and our virtues, as my friend Brandon Peel, who he's the author of Planet on Purpose, when he says, when you come from that place, it's really easy, easy to define the boundaries of what you will and won't do for the sake of honoring yourself first and recognizing the relationships we have and how to honor those in a way that serves everyone. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, it reminds me of one of um, your favorite philosophies by Simon Sinek, and you sent this to me before we chatted. And I, um, Do you mind reading it? Uh, certainly. Let's see here. I'm actually going to pull that up. Is he, and I, I have it handy too, if you need it. Do you, um, is, is he a big influence on your life? Massive influence, massive, massive influence. When I saw Simon's, um, golden circle Ted talk, uh, about start with why, why do we do anything later? I heard Simon's mission. He said he gets inspired. His mission is to inspire people and organizations so that their employees and people part of that team wake up every day inspired to go to work, feel safe while they're there, being heard, and then coming home fulfilled every night, knowing they have they've they've lived a life and they've done they have a job well done. So 
it was really uh, important to me to live that in, in a way that made me realize that if I'm doing that and I'm actually helping other people achieve what they want and I'm connecting people um, by you know, finding the experts and people who are making an impact and provide those solutions with those who benefit from their superpowers, then that's what I love doing. So yeah, so Simon's, um, Simon's philosophy, because you'd asked me about my title and, you know, I think that title, that leadership is a matter of action, not position. And Simon says that an authority has a title, a leader has the people. We do as authorities say, because they have the power over us, but we, we would not follow them. Leadership is a choice. It is a choice to look after the person to the left of you and to the person to the right of you. When your people feel cared for, they will care for you. Mm, I love that. And at the same time, just just to be fair, Simon Sinek has titles. Yeah, totally. <laughs> now, there's also some other uh, master influences on the planet that you um, have been inspired by. Let's talk about Rock Thomas. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So um, since uh, – let me start with how I actually came to know Rock, and that was around the, uh, the first – month after Unleash the Power Within in 2016. Oh, was that coincidence or was that grace? That was, uh, let's say it a bit of both. It was more of a desire that we made a commitment at UPW 2016 to hold each other accountable for the, for the life that we chose to live. And there were, there were about 12 of us. So there's about a dozen of us friends and, and family and connections at Unleash the Power Within that we said, okay, in one month's time, we're going to get together and have a dinner and we're going to hold each other accountable to what we're, to, to the life that we're going to live. Excuse me. So uh, about three weeks after I had committed to hosting the dinner at my home because our, our condominium has this beautiful club room and park level that can host about 40 people. And I thought, awesome, I'll make dinner for everyone. We'll show up and we're going to get right back into state. So I sent out a text message a few weeks after UPW and I met with crickets. I'm like, all right, guys, who's, who's ready to do this? And I get no response except for one person. And I realized like, ah, screw that. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to try and push a rope. Like if, you know, lead a horse to water, but not make them drink. And so I went to our, you know, after Unleash the Power Within or any other events, you know, the Tony Robbins organization creates these private Facebook groups. So everyone who's part of that organization can stay in touch and develop relationships. And I thought in that moment, you know what, I'll go out to this crowd and see who wants to get together. So I offered to host a dinner at my home for 25 people. I posted it in the group and then I went to dinner that night and didn't think much about my post. I came back later and there were like 120 something RSVPs. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? So I, I pared it down to about 40 people. I, I called uh, my friend who's a chef. I'm like, dude, I need you to help me put this di dinner together because I can't cook for 40 people. And um, long story short, we held our first UPW Empowerversary dinner that month. A month later, and it's it's created some of the best relationships that I've had and the ability to kind of keep that momentum going. So I hosted a few more of those leading up till, um, uh, to this year, uh, Wednesday night at the prior to UPW San Jose in March of this year, I'm standing in line to get our tickets and our lanyards. So rather than getting there Thursday morning, I wanted to get there early on Wednesday night so I could get, you know, they bright and early or right to our seats. And I see this, guy, you know, with this focus and this vision, like walking through the crowd and we make eye contact and I wave him over and I'm like, I know you, where do I know you from? And he introduces himself as rock. And I said, have you been to one of my dinners? And he says, no, but I've had a few videos online. I said, a few videos. And I said, oh, that's right. I made the connection that I had seen rock in a video from February, um, talking about the power of our identity. 
And he shares a story about growing up in Montreal, uh, about earning his work ethic at a very young age because of the discipline his father instilled in, in him, but never really getting the love and the recognition from his father. So he, um, he shares this incredible story on Facebook. It's been viewed over 70 million times. We connect there and he says, how's your life going? And in that moment, I was completely vulnerable and honest with him. I said, look, these are some areas I've got to work on. It's not going the way I expect in this area. I need some help here. And he says, you need to change your blueprint. And I said, if you have the plans, I'm holding the pen. He takes a selfie with me. He says, contact me after UPW. I want you to be part of my mastermind group. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. How can I say no to this? Because Rock is a, you know, he's generated 36 streams of income. He's living a a life surrounded by peers, like his peer group, as you and I talked about, the power of our proximity and those that we are most closely associated with have the biggest influence. So he created this incredible mastermind group that has produced uh, a, a tribe of people who are living healthy, wealthy, generous lives. And it's built around all the pillars of what we've learned because he's been one of Tony's top trainers for 17 years. And I just, you know, was that, was that fortune or grace that intervened in that moment? And uh, so I didn't hesitate. I joined his mastermind group. And since then, I've been in this organization surrounded by people who have this mindset of let's hold each other accountable for our goals. Let's be absolutely authentic with where we are, be vulnerable, share what's happening in our world and hold each other accountable for achieving our best selves. And let's do it in a way that our health is thriving. We're not making sacrifices. We're not sacrificing our relationships. We're not sacrificing our health. And we get to connect every 90 days where we take these epic trips around the world on these bucket list adventures. The, the tribe just got back from Cabo in the spring. Next up is Montreal in, uh, in September, where we get to play all day. And then we mastermind in the evenings working on our, our life's blueprint. So it's incredible. Awesome. Okay. So did the people that the, the 12 or so people that you bonded with and committed to monthly dinners, do you still do that? Or did some of them come over to Rock's Mastermind? What happened with that transition? Uh, you know, what, what's beautiful about that is that everyone brought their own strengths to the group. And so all the relationships are still there. They're still so powerfully beautiful. And um, the, the community has grown. So shortly after that first dinner, uh, my dear friends, Gemma and Luce, uh, did a New Year's Day visioneering hike where we went out in the hills of Berkeley and they were powerfully creating this, this foundation for us to blueprint our best lives. And so everyone is, is thriving in a way where we still have this nucleus of that core group that's just grown and we've introduced and invited more people from the organization so that we're, we're doing that. And um, they've not yet joined the mastermind. I'm into you know, month number two. I've taken on a role with the organization to enroll others into what's possible. And uh, I've not yet been actively promoting it within our group. Because I'm still having so much fun helping Rock get through this massive list of people who are inquiring from, you know, from around the country and from around the world, actually. So I anticipate this mastermind being the gold standard. It's the world's best. From everything that I've looked into, um, I've been invited to other masterminds and something just some things didn't resonate with me. They were more of like, I guess, my peers. And I appreciate that, but I need to be around people who are living life at a higher level so I can stretch myself to get to where they are. And Jim Rohn has that famous quote that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. Um, may I ask what the monthly fee or what the rate is for the mastermind that you're in of rocks? 
Yeah. So it's a full 52 week program. So it's a full year. And we meet a couple of times a week. We have live training sessions with Rock. We have live uh, sessions with Street Smart Millionaires. And then we're in our units or our pods where it's like our really small, tight-knit group within our community. Um, it's around $7,000 per year or 630 bucks a month. So the people who pay annually get a bit of a discount. And the beauty of it is, I, I uh, learned this statistic, that only f- um, the completion rate for most online courses is around 4 to 6%. Rock's M1 Mastermind Group has a completion rate of over 80%. So he has the blueprint and the, and the the environment, the ecosystem, if you will, that has all the conditions right for growth. So uh, that is the, um, it's a full one-year program. We have some alumni who are still active in the group. And out of about 260 people, it's produced 33 millionaires in the last two and a half years. It's incredible. Yeah. So Rock Thomas, um, just so you guys know, on his website, it says the world's number one whole life success expert. But what is actually a fact um, and can't be disputed is that he's touched over 54 million lives, created the I Am movement known as the man who will help you redefine your life. Um, And he's been mentored and guided by some of the most iconic uh, personal development experts on the planet, including, uh, of course, Tony Robbins, um, amongst many others. So I love this because it's a lineage of wonderful mindset mastery that everybody can just up-level their life because there is a wonderful quote, another Tony Robbins quote. He's just on my mind lately. Um, Proximity is power. And that is basically in a nutshell, how you would describe this mastermind. Yes. And it is being put into an environment, into that literal ecosystem. Imagine a greenhouse where if you wanted to grow crops and you wanted to nurture these young plants, if you had the soil conditions were just right, if the lighting was perfect, if the, uh, if the humidity was ideal and you had people who cared and who had experience in nurturing those plants, what kind of crops are you going to produce relative to just putting your seeds out into a field and not really having the resources or the, or the network or the, um, the peer group to help you nurture that? And so it's really a matter of visualize where you choose to be. Be honest with where you are now and realize there's a gap. And this is an ecosystem that, that bridges that gap and does so quickly and in an environment that allows that growth to occur that is safe and stretches you and puts you a little bit outside of your comfort zone because the best growth, it was the um, uh, the book, The uh, the Rise of Superman. He states that, uh, that our best growth occurs when we're about 4% outside of our comfort zone. Anything more than that, then it becomes too uncomfortable and we shut down. But when we're stretched just a little bit beyond where we are, then the conditions are right for us to hit that next rung. Well, I'm all about stepping outside of the comfort zone because I don't think that we're, we, we've got what we have because we stepped out of our comfort zone and then we get complacent and comfortable and it feels safe. And that's where, okay, you know, I've got this, but there's so much more that we want. And if we just step outside of it ever so slightly, now I will usually go head first, you know, into eight feet of ice cold water. That's the way that I step out of my comfort zone, just break it open and dive in. Um, but that's not for everybody. I'm totally aware. <laughs> Hey, so believe it or not, we've already, this is what we do. We've already been on for almost an hour. So I want to just begin to wrap this up with really getting up on inside your mindset techniques, because you shared about 
your visualization tool, which is huge. And everybody talks about this. Here's what I love about this, this podcast. Um, even though it's mine, here's what I love about it is that we see and hear the same themes over and over again from people who live these lives that look like dreams. They look like impossible, but you being literally the director of possibility with rock Thomas shows us, wait, no, this is possible. No matter what your background is, no matter what your story is, no matter what you think is plaguing you or where you've been enslaved and confined, you can choose a new identity now. But what are some other tools that you utilize daily that helps you step into that space so you can fully realize it? Um, I'll break it down into the simplest units. First is my meditation. Um, I was led to meditation around four years ago because of some, uh, some chaos, a relationship in my life that went south. At the time, I was actually on a cross-country month-long trip with my father to take him to all the diners and drive-ins and dives because he loves that food. And at the time, the woman I was dating decided to have an affair in my absence. And so when I came home, that was gone. So uh, I thought, okay, I need to change something so I can work through this and process it. And I discovered meditation. And since then, it's been a, like, without fail, a daily practice. And what's the kind of meditation that you do? So I began with um, Transcendental Meditation, or TM, that's pretty popular. A great video on YouTube by Jerry Seinfeld about why he pursued TM. Uh, Then I moved into different forms of meditation. So now I'm more into the Vedic meditation, where I'm I'm going a little bit deeper, a little faster, and I'm, I'm leveraging some tools. And the thing about meditation is that there's really no one right way to do it. So anyone listening that chooses to get into the practice of meditation is start with with one to two minutes of closing your eyes practice your breathing and setting in silence that will allow you to go further and deeper in your meditation. And there are some great apps for that. I choose to listen to some music, um, some isochronic tones, uh, binaural beats that you can see on YouTube. So it's my meditation. I practice box breathing and what box breathing is, is essentially breathing, you know, emptying your lungs, breathing in for a count of four, So you're really filling your lungs, holding your breath for a count of four, exhaling on a count of four, and then holding your breath at the bottom of the breath on a count of four. And there are so many benefits to that. Um, It's, uh, you know, that intentional deep breathing calms and regulates the autonomic nervous system. It lowers your blood pressure, provides an almost immediate sense of calm. So no matter what's coming into your world, it allows you to observe rather than being in that, that vortex. Um, it eliminates generalized anxiety, panic disorders, you name it. It just calms our nervous system. So that helps keep me focused throughout the day. Uh, and then I also have a daily incantation, which you may have seen. I I posted a video of that in the UPW group, uh, not too long ago, but I speak my daily incantation reminding me of who I am because as rock shares, we have to be careful. We must be careful with the words that follow I am because the words that follow I am follow you. And so I state who I am rather than saying, oh my God, you know, I don't have this or I'm, I'm not good enough or I've, I lack the skills. I remind myself of the power that I have by reminding myself of, of who I am through my incantation. And so I do that every single day without fail. And what's an example of that? So um, I'll give you the first bit of it. So my first incantation and what I say is like, Today is a great day, and I have an opportunity to be the best me ever. I am an irresistible magnet with the absolute power to attract everything I desire into my life, and it is a huge success. I commit to constant and never-ending personal improvement, and I take massive action steps to live my life as I choose it to be. Mm, Powerful. Now, you say that every single day. Do you do it into a mirror? I do. 
<laughs> I do. And anyone watching that's going to think it's crazy. Like they're going to think I'm nuts, but I don't care because it it's works. No, but mirror work, mirror work and incantations are powerful. This is different than standing up and doing positive affirmations. This is, you've already primed your mind. You've meditated. You've done your box breathing. By the way, how long does this morning routine go? Oh, my morning ritual takes 20 minutes. Okay. And do you, do you do it every single day? Yes. Really? Okay. I will find a way. I find a way or I make the way. And no matter where I am, like it's, it's part of who I am. It's like eating breakfast. I have to do it. Now, let's say you have to skip a day. What is your day like if that happens? It's about the same. I mean, it's not too far off the pace. It's almost like going to the gym every single day. Your, your body doesn't lose mass. I don't necessarily lose momentum, but I can definitely feel a bit of a difference. And I just, my day just goes better. It's just brighter whenever I have my morning ritual. Right. So you feel like you're, you're co-creating your destiny. Yes. If you are doing your morning routine and all of your mindset hacks. Correct. Because I get, I have, I incorporate a little bit of exercise into that. So uh, within our mastermind, we have something called the GB9, which is a series of exercises for nine minutes that will put you into a, a state of muscle fatigue and failure. It's almost like being back in the military. And it's the best full body workout that you could get for nine minutes. And it's crazy. You think, like, I can't get in shape in nine minutes. Yes. So when I add the GB9, it's about half an hour total. Okay, cool. Wow. I want to hear about a nine minute exercise routine. <laughs> that sounds very doable. Um, and what are you excited about next? Oh my gosh. Uh, there's so much. Um... <laughs> See, I love those kinds of answers. <laughs> my dad, just so you know, my dad for years, my dad is 70 years old, living in Santa Barbara, divorced and happy, actually very, very socially engaged, never been happier. He's been this way for years. And every single time for a while I was annoyed by it, but now it's like totally my language. But every single time you talk to him on the phone or you see him in person, his first question is, so what's exciting in your life right now? And I just thought, what a wonderful way to start a conversation. Now that I'm not annoyed by it, you know, it's like, dad, don't you care about me? Don't you want to hear about my problems? Don't you want to hear about my real issues? Let's talk about life, you know? And it's like, well, we could go there or we could talk about what you're excited about. Um, so I highly recommend for anyone listening that's resonating in this, uh, which I'm sure so many of you are, you know, start to start your conversations, especially with family, friends, colleagues, your loved ones, your kids at the dinner table. So what's exciting? What's exciting for you? What happened today that was exciting? You know, because it just, it changes our point of view and it starts us to cultivate, to see those things. Like you talked about earlier, the ubiquitous car that you talked about getting, and now you see it on the road everywhere. You know, it's that same mindset principle. So anyway, what's exciting, Brad? I am excited on Friday. So tomorrow, and this might sound a little bit unique or odd, but tomorrow I actually get to go on a hike over by Stowe Lake at Golden Gate Park with a, uh, with my girlfriend's ex-boyfriend with a man that she dated. He just got back from some world travel and he just finished his yoga school in Bali, which we actually participated in his yoga. He did this beautiful ceremony for us last Saturday at the friend's home. So we get to get a chance to connect because I asked him afterwards, what's calling him today? What's next in his world and what's inspiring him? And he says, I'm here to figure out my career path so I can be of service to people and inspire them to live better lives. I said, we got to get together. Like I need to learn more from me, from you. So we get to go on a hike tomorrow. And then on Friday, I'm going on a hike to Cataract Falls with a couple of dear friends uh, up on top of Mount Tamalpais in Marin 
on a Friday afternoon. So having the freedom to be able to go out and spend a Friday with a couple people that I love and explore this beautiful hidden waterfall that feels like you're walking through the Lord of the Rings and, you know, this gorgeous environment. Um, that's what's exciting to me. So I'm looking forward to that. So you will literally be standing under the waterfall. That's right. That you talked about uh, literally just last week. I love it. Yeah, I'm getting in the water and not letting perfectionism or old rules and old stuff, um, limiting beliefs hold you back. That's right. Really allowing yourself to dive in and enjoy the juicy, beautiful life that you see is possible. And I love that because, you know, listen, technically we could be called middle age being in our 40s now. And I think that the best is yet to come. It's never been more clear. It's never been more bright. It's never felt more fulfilling. Speaking of what, how, what is your definition of fulfillment? My de- definition of fulfillment. Um, so I actually wrote a couple bullet points down here when you asked me that because I needed to contextualize this. And it's essentially establishing strong boundaries so I can say yes to the things that are going to serve me and those in my life. Uh, cultivating gratitude and happiness daily because it is a practice. Uh, because gratitude and fear cannot coexist in the same space. And so I think about what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my mobility. I'm grateful for my vision. I'm grateful for my health because a lot of people are not so blessed. And it's the simplest things. It's not the big grand statements. I'm, I'm grateful for the smallest things in life, for the people that I have in my life. I get to serve for my friendships. And uh, moving toward a vision of travel and cultural exploration that I love. It's a big wide world out there and travel just opens us up to so much possibility. And also, um, what's fulfilling is knowing that I chose to not getting married young so I could mature enough, knowing myself deeply enough in order to be the best possible partner for the woman that I love. Beautiful. I love that. And as a woman who um, hasn't been married yet either, I really relate there. My goodness, when I just think about to the relationship that I was in last year that I was fairly certain we would get married at you know certain points throughout our relationship, I think... I wouldn't even date that person today. And it's only just been like six, seven months of this massive breaking through of who I know I'm really supposed to be. And then that's a bat signal that draws all the right people into your life. The ones that are really resonating with where you are. Doesn't mean that it's, it's bad or it's wrong from what was happening before they were all gifts and they helped to refine me to where I am now. But I'm with you on that big time. And yeah, and you know, and listen, I have like my brother married his uh, girlfriend of three months when he was 21 years old, and they're still together almost 30 years later. They're soulmates. So certainly some people can find it, and then they grow and they evolve together as a couple. It's just rarer and rarer these days because personal growth is, is just at the forefront. It's, it's, I think so many humans who were not even interested in it even just a few years ago, it's just, it's everywhere present. You can't get around it. Mindset is a conversation that Olympian coaches are having, that they're talking about with their athletes, that, you know, NBA coaches and, and, uh, you know, you get it, right? So yeah, this is key, which is why I wanted to have you on because your life looks like a dream. And for those who want to see it, where can they check you out? Where can they get in touch? Simplest way is to find me on Facebook. So I have my, my profile is open. Uh, to the public, because I believe that the way we live our life in private shows up in public in today's environment, everything in the digital age, we're fully exposed. So it's a life of integrity because who I am day to day is also who I have to put out there to the world. So, uh, yeah. So you can find me on Facebook. And is that under Brad Johnson? Yep. Brad Johnson. It's a, it's an older photo of me in a suit and tie, which I'm, I'm not a suit and tie guy anymore. I'm more in my workout gear daily. 
And then, um, and then also we have a, uh, a group called BA squared. It's for the Bay area badasses for people who choose to grab life big and want to be part of a community who's here to support each other, encourage each other and challenge ourselves so that we can do the things that make lead to more fulfilling experiences. I love that. And, um, if people are interested in talking to you about your consulting services, also reach you on Facebook. Correct. Yep. As simple as the best way to find it. I don't have my website up yet. This is the past couple of months. It's all under development. Oh, I get it. Well, listen, you're up to really big stuff. And and another reason why I wanted to have you on is because seriously, every time, Brad, you go on and you do a live video or you do you know um, any sort of a post in these groups that have 10,000 people sometimes, you somehow rise to the surface and everybody chimes in to just comment or appreciate and respect. And, and, and you're just, um, you're really living the life. You're practicing what you preach. You are an absolute human of possibility. And, um, and it really comes down to these mindset shifts and tools that you've been able to embrace so that you could realize this potential, which is why it's so cool just to be a part of your journey and get into the underbelly of it. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for the reminder because sometimes it's easy to forget. And it's because I have amazing people like you and others in our lives who know what it's like to have to walk through some of the more challenging parts of it because, you know, beauty lies on the other side of fear. Our best self is a matter of, of just stepping through what's what we're scared of. And I appreciate you sharing that. And so sometimes it's it's not easy doing those or I get a little bit in my head. But I love doing it because it might resonate with someone, but ultimately it it's exciting. <laughs> so thank you. You are. Yeah. And I love it because, you know, you say it best um, on your Facebook profile where you talk about you are a healer and you are a protector. And um, I don't have the page up anymore, but just those very things. Yeah. I, uh, I, I embody that after UPW San Jose 2016 is that I am a protector, a healer and a developer of people, communities, and positive outcomes. Mm, I love that. With that being said, my hat's off to you. I salute you, my friend, and I look forward to continuing our conversation online and offline. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you soon. My pleasure. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you'd like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.